Welcome to the XR Magazine podcast. I'm your host, Diana Olenik, and on this show, we dive into the cutting-edge worlds of XR, Web3, and artificial intelligence with the brightest minds in the industry, bringing you exclusive insights and game-changing conversations that will revolutionize your understanding of the future. We're speaking with an amazing guest. His name is Ricky Hook, and he is the founder of MetaRick. Metarik has met with over 100 executive teams to advise them on their metaverse practice and supported many of the world's largest brands to scale creative content, actively exploring stories from creatives, technologists, and senior executives to share their perspective on XR, AI, blockchain, and other emerging technologies. He is the founder of the podcast by the same name, and recently he joined the team at Engage VR, which we are also very excited to hear about. Today we're going to have this amazing discussion about these immersive technologies as well as AI. I can't wait to begin. Let's do it. Thank you so much, Rick, for being here today. We are super excited. Please let us know how is everything going in San Diego right now? Uh, it's a beautiful day. I live uh, right across from Petco Park, actually. So there's a Padres game, baseball fans wandering all over downtown at the moment. Wow, it sounds super exciting, like a very, very cool vibe over there. That's great. I think that one of these days I like to head over there and maybe perhaps I even visit you. Yeah, definitely. No, it's it's a really fun city. It's out of all of the major cities I've been to, it's probably the cleanest. Um, it's like very, very safe. Not not a lot of crime rates or anything like that. And so much good food and all the good wineries and all that kind of stuff. Mm, that's amazing. Thank you so much for being here today. Please let us know about your incredible and very, very exciting background that you have with us as a professional. So go ahead. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, well, my, my background started in sales. So like my, my first full-time job out of college, uh, was focused on kind of that traditional smile and dial, like hammer your head into a phone all day type of a job. Uh, so I was just cold calling, uh, mostly accounting teams, CFOs for like veterinary hospitals and car dealerships. And I was selling them, uh, payment processing software. Not the most glamorous job you can imagine, right? Like it's not the most exciting industry, wasn't paying me ridiculously well, but it gave me a lot of the skill sets I needed um, to be comfortable in sales, to deal with that rejection on the phone, to get comfortable just talking to anyone and anybody about their jobs and, and being able to kind of pitch ideas with energy. Um, and then I got really, really lucky to come across a startup in Santa Barbara called Snapwire. And I joined them as their first sales hire. At the time, it was in a co-working space. We didn't even have our first major round of funding, maybe some seed seed funding, but not a lot. And it wasn't even a WeWork. It was like a knockoff WeWork. It was it was like this tiny little glass box uh, where the founders, uh, Chad and Ryan, were building the company. And I'm sitting there making cold calls and and trying to kind of build out the the process for how to do outreach and how to spark interest in, in what we did. Uh, the company was focused on pairing brands with creative freelancers, so photographers, videographers, um, and scaling creative content. So we had this network of, of hundreds of thousands of creatives and then could tag them based on their skill sets. So if someone was a food photographer or a specialist in automotive or health and fitness or something like that, 
uh, we could use our platform to find the best fits, offer them the work, and then assign the the right creator uh, to a project for the brand. Did that for a couple of years, uh, learned a lot about sales, learned a lot about how to build a business, learned a lot about creative, because in a company that size, you got to wear a lot of hats. Uh, so there were definitely some projects where I had to put on my project manager hat and and be able to help kind of execute on managing some of these these large scale photo shoots. And after a few years of that, it kind of led me to this company called TouchCast. Uh, TouchCast is a metaverse software uh, that helps large brands basically build out virtual worlds and then stream live video inside of those virtual worlds. Uh, so for like a car company trying to sell cars, they could have a sell a seller be on a Zoom call or Microsoft Teams meeting, typical video conference, and then they would appear inside of this 3D virtual showroom. Uh, with multiple camera angles and configuration to change the colors and the features and be able to show off that car uh, with a real life person instead of an avatar in the space. So we worked a lot with Accenture and Microsoft and all these major enterprises for their corporate events and training and um, there's their sales use cases. Then after that, I found myself at Engage, um, which is an amazing VR platform. I think when it comes to in-headset VR, it's definitely the most impressive I've come across. Um, and so I'm on the sales team there, uh, focusing on building out our, our new customer base and uh, supporting some of our strategic partners on, on how to, to deliver services using our, our platform. Mm, that sounds like a very interesting background, especially I like to highlight how important it is to have this skill in sales for any type of business, like any creative, I feel, that should have a good uh, foundation or at least have some, you know, general idea of how to uh, approach this role of sales when it comes to having this idea of uh, launching a game or an experience, a digital experience. And then trying to branch into entrepreneurship. I think that having that uh, sales, particularly um, uh, skill, is super, super important. So thank you for sharing that. Definitely, we are very excited about your new role with Engage because the people that is related with VR and this type of technologies know that this is one of the leading platforms for collaboration, etc. So we really are keeping an eye on this and hopefully we can bring also the team of Engage into the podcast. Thanks to our amazing friend, Rick. So um, speaking about all of these experiences that you have with digital creatives, executives, technologists, etc., what do you think that is the most important uh, value that they are giving to the evolution of the metaverse? So by metaverse, I mean this kind of 3D type of experience that right now is there available in the world um, that most users can access through Web3 or headsets. Yeah, so I mean, each of the companies I've worked for are, are adding value to the space in kind of different ways, right? So... Snapwire started as photo video, um, and that was really the focus, but then they got acquired by a company called Studio Now. And what Studio Now does is a lot more than just photo video. They also do copywriting, they do 3D uh, design, motion graphics, basically any form of creative project you can think of. And then the platform we built at Snapwire is helping Studio Now to more efficiently kind of maintain their roster of creatives and find the right people. So the way that helps with something like the metaverse is if a brand is looking to find 
talent that can deliver on a project. They might need to find a lot of talent. They might need to find very specialized talent. And 3D design skills are in really high demand right now. Um, and there's kind of a lack of supply for that demand. Uh, so we've got even a, a, most of the big consulting firms are hiring teams right now to try and ramp up their Unreal developers and their Unity developers and people with skills to design 3D models in Blender. And it's very difficult to find highly skilled uh, 3D artists right now and, and, and game developers. So a company like Studio Now might be helpful um, with finding that talent, tapping into that supply in a more efficient way, and then connecting brands to those creators while also giving the creator more opportunities to get paid doing what they love for the, these bigger projects. Touchcast is helping from a WebXR perspective. So they're doing this very um, accessible uh, focused virtual experiences. So, so working within the Microsoft Teams ecosystem and the Azure cloud and things that are accessible through, through a desktop computer or even a mobile phone. Um, so they're really, really focused on that accessibility piece of it. Versus Engage is more focused on that in-headset experience. We still have an application for desktop and for mobile, but with some of these training use cases, with some of these kind of uh, remote work use cases where you're trying to connect people, make them feel like they're in the same room, uh, make them feel like there's a sense of culture, a sense of excitement while they're onboarding and learning new things. That helps people stay more engaged, so pun intended, <laughs> stay more engaged so they can retain the information, so they can stay excited, so that you can actually retain your employees longer. And we've seen large companies invest tens of millions of dollars into trying to build culture through avocado toast and happy hours and these kind of almost gimmicky um, approaches to, to trying to get people excited about the business. And every time I've seen someone put on a VR headset in the first 30 seconds, they're giggling like a little kid and they're so excited to just experience something new and different that they can't experience in their day-to-day -day lives. Uh, so that's kind of a rundown on each of the businesses I've worked for and what they're doing. Um, but I also forgot to mention earlier, I also host the Metaric podcast where I'm interviewing folks similar to this, um, just trying to learn. And there's so many different opinions out there. I don't think anybody is an expert, including myself. I think the goal right now with such an emerging and new technology is we've all got to be running experiments. Um, so we all have ideas. You just heard three very different ones of how a company can add value or, or kind of help the metaverse grow, but it's all experimental right now. So I think it's more about being a, an active participant in that conversation and just trying to find a way to take your skills or experience and, and add value in some way. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. I wonder since you've had a good experience advising executive uh, teams, what are some of the most common misconceptions or misunderstandings that have been, you, you know, that you've seen commonly arising when it comes about the metaverse? There are so many, um, as much as I, I use the word metaverse evangelist on my, my LinkedIn tag and like I, I, I leaned into it. It is overused a little bit. Uh, the word is, is used by a lot of different people. It means a lot of different things depending on who you ask. So it creates a lot of confusion naturally, um, especially for folks that didn't grow up with online gaming and virtual worlds being a part of their, their day to day, right? Like if you think of these business executives, these, these chief marketing officers, chief HR officers, CIO, CTOs, and CEOs, these are all people that, that are on the older demographic, um, and, and haven't experienced as much of the, these pieces of technology. 
So it, it takes some getting used to. Uh, one of the big misconceptions I always hear is that the it related to the blockchain. Uh, so like when FTX went under um, is a great example. Like I had so many people reaching out to me going like, oh, so this metaverse thing is over, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, that had nothing to do with the metaverse. That was a, a crypto exchange for currency. It was, it was a DeFi thing. It was a finance thing. Um, metaverse is not really about that. A lot of people think the metaverse has no users because they look at something like Decentraland as one use case where when they're in there, it's empty. And I don't think that their points are totally wrong. I just think there's a bigger picture that people forget to look at, which is that really it's just about building virtual worlds, virtual spaces, making the internet more three-dimensional. That's what it comes down to. The actual word metaverse that doesn't exist yet, right? That's the idea of interoperable virtual worlds that that are so lifelike, it's like almost seamless for us to go between our physical reality and our virtual realities. That's the end state. That's not where we are. But that doesn't mean that we don't have highly engaging virtual environments, either in a browser or in a headset or in a mobile device, even through AR. And I think a lot of people confuse the end state with where we are now. Um, and then they also confuse the, the hype words of something like an, a, a blockchain, um, cryptocurrency versus a virtual 3D environment. And they, they see that overlap. Yeah. Thank you so much for expanding on that. Yeah. Definitely there are a lot of like opinions out there about what is going on. Like these spaces are not holding as many people. And what is the direction that is taking? My own personal take on this is that. This is a com- convergence or intersection of different technologies. And these different technologies, it seems that they are advancing or developing at different rates. So now with AI, at some point, when is this convergence with XR blockchain, this might become like the whole complete thing rather than isolated, you know, type of media as metaverse or 3D environments or spaces and, uh, you know, like all this uh, XR umbrella of VR, AR, all of these uh, technologies, even AI isolated. So I think that they are, they seem having their own cycle, cycles of development, but at some point they are going to converse once we have maybe the best way to uh, deliver all of this content, which is through maybe more advanced headsets or more um, available for uh, the the Indian consumer, I believe that's my that's my guess. But let's see what happens. Um, it, yeah, it, go ahead. Real, real quick, I just thought of another one that that comes up a lot um, is that v- with VR specifically, this isn't for all metaverse technology, but. A lot of people think that VR is expensive because the headsets are expensive. And I always like to to challenge that a little bit because it's like the expensive part isn't the headset. The expensive part is developing this new team of 3D designers and people that can build the stuff that goes in the headset. Those virtual worlds is the hard part. The hardware is actually not that expensive. Like a MetaQuest 2, $500, it's the same as a a gaming console that you're going to buy your kid for like a Switch or a PS5 or something like that, right? So that's the other misconception that that comes to mind is just it's really not as expensive as people think it is to get started or to try it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's for sure. And it's available there, like 
most people, but there are many other countries where really this is not available, you know, like, or maybe certain social demographics where this is really not as, like, you can be in a, in a certain social demographic and, but still you might have access to a cell phone. But for some yeah. reason, like yeah. one of the first, first grade level cell phone for normal communication, but still not have the accessibility to this type of, uh, you know, te other technology. I, I know for a, for a fact, because I come from a third world country and I know that there are many, many people, even the last time we were discussing in the other episode with you, how even language is a barrier as well for, for this type of technologies. So it's, it's evolving. It's still in the process of evolving. So having the opinion of, but the metaverse is still nothing. Maybe it's still not in the way that people expected because it's still evolving. So that's, uh, that's what I think about this, uh, this aspect. And there are other technologies as well, as I mentioned, like AI, of course, blockchain. Speaking about AI, as you know, I have a little bit of passion as well for, you know, this, uh, this uh, type of um, especially efficiency uh, features that is bringing to people to work in different areas. So how do you see that AI and emerging technologies could transform the user experience within the metaverse? Do you see that? Is there any impact there? What could be the differences if you foresee any or benefits? Yeah, AI is game-changing for everything. Um that's that's another thing I hear a lot of people saying that like AI is replacing the metaverse. The metaverse is dead because it's AI is the new technology. And I'm like, well, it's not competitive. It's it's really not. AI is going to impact I, yeah. everything. AI is going to be a huge building block for the metaverse, a yes, huge yes, piece yes. of what makes it Absolutely. work. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that it's going to be useful in a lot of ways. I think one way is it's going to help us build things. Um, right now, it's very expensive and very time consuming to build the 3D environments, like the, to create the actual virtual worlds and the interactions that take place in those worlds. It's, it's a heavy lift. It takes a lot of resources. And I think AI can streamline some things very quickly. I think we're already seeing that it's going to streamline the creative ideation process and just coming up with ideas faster, coming up with alignment between multiple people's creative ideas faster using ChatGPT and visual tools like MidJourney to kind of get those ideas across. I think it's going to help make the production process easier. Things like uh, like Copilot and being able to integrate GPT into Unity and Unreal so that you've got a little assistant helping you code so you can speak English instead of code makes it way more accessible. And then the, the last thing, and this is a big thing we're working on at Engage actually and expecting by the end of the year uh, for this to, to go live, at least in a more basic way, is um, our, our Athena AI. And Athena, we have, we have a vision for that in a few ways. I mean, one way is for, for AI employees. So that if you have virtual environments, you could essentially have these AI employees to be your host and your greeter when you're hosting a virtual event or to be an assistant to, to help in a virtual car dealership and be able to help talk about your cars and give customers information to police those environments so that if you have random users or sometimes, you know, you know there, there's a lot of uh, complaints about kids being in these environments and being really unprofessional or something like that in another metaverse. This would give you someone who can go around and be like, hey, here's a warning. You can't really behave like that in this environment without having to pay someone to sit in a headset all day long, every single day to police that. Um, and then 
The other thing that we're doing with AI at Engage outside of Athena is also this idea of advanced NPCs. So let's say that you're teaching like a history course. Imagine if you could go talk to any of those characters from history, like you could actually have conversations with them instead of the professor giving the lecture. Maybe the professor does an outline of the course material and then you could have the lecture come from that ancient philosopher. You could actually go to ancient Greece and talk to Socrates and Plato and Aristotle. And so those are a couple of the ideas we're thinking of. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think there's a lot of excitement around that, um, for later this year, there's a video I can send for you to put, put in the description. That's kind of a little teaser for that. I'm super excited. This is absolutely what I mean by user experience. This is the next evolution. And actually the normal flow that I always felt would be for UX and UIs even because in the traditional or actually in this transition between 2D to 3D, usually designers would be trying to get all the 2Ds as much as possible in the 3D environment. And I always said, I think something else has to happen. It might be AI where we speak and there is not this need of screens, buttons, like the 2D that was designed for 3D, for 3D, like for, for 2D. Why do we bring all of these flat screens again to 3D where this has to evolve? But I knew, yeah, AI. What's, and this is exactly what you're saying. And what's crazy is like our early versions of it and the, the demo version of Athena is already doing some of this. So I think that when it comes to scaling more advanced 3D worlds, a lot of that work will still be done in Unity or in Unreal um, with AI supporting those tools. But with Athena and Engage, again, not publicly available yet, but it's already doing things like creating custom skyboxes um, that wrap around the wow. VR environment uh, by finding an asset for you out of our IFX library and generating it and putting it there. So you don't have to scroll through page after page. You can just say, Hey, Athena, I would like a bicycle. I would like a table, a chair, and she can create that for you by pulling it from your library of IFX. So it's this idea of an AI assistant to help you with creative direction and production um, and with policing environments and, and kind of helping you with day-to-day -day tasks that vision's coming real. Um, and it's, it's going to come off, you know, not next month, not next week, but it's going to come, I think, a lot sooner than a lot of folks are expecting. So this is right now an example of the use of these uh, systems for internal work, right? In the studio for, you know, fast tracking these type of processes, saving hours of time of developers, designers, etc. But also is a tool for the actual customer to be able to personalize or customize the experience in the way that they want. If they don't like that skybox, they just want to stay with that. They can change it, right? Well, Is that one thing? Also? Yeah, and there's custom training for that too, right? It's like if you're a, if you're a big brand and you're hosting a virtual environment to showcase your products, you can just take the manual that you would train all your employees on to understand those products and put it into the language model for the AI. And it's going to become an expert in understanding your products and, and how to talk about them that's in an on-brand way. Um, it's not exactly what we're doing with Athena, but it kind of ties into this idea of virtual influencers, which we're seeing become a really, really big topic right now. Um, I highly recommend, shout out to uh, uh, Christopher Tavers and to virtualhumans.org. Um, I think they know more about this than anybody that, that I've seen. Um, but the example of that would be something like 
imagine like the Geico Gecko. Like if you could take that, that iconic mascot or Tony the Tiger from Kellogg's and be able to put a language model behind it and scale a personality that all of a sudden can create as much content as you want. It's always on brand. You're never dealing with a diva. It can speak any language that you can think of and you have full control over the IP and it's timeless because you can always have that at some point, um, a hundred and 200 years from now flow from progressives, just not going to be here anymore. That's a sad thing to think about, but we're human. We have, we have a shelf life. Like that's just a, a part of reality versus these virtual influencers. They don't, uh, they can be doing it forever. And I, I think that there's a, uh, something very, very appealing, uh, to brands for, for working with things like that. I'm going to ask you a question out of the blue. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> If you could extend your life through the use of these entities, would you do it and why? So interesting. Um, you know, it's, it's crazy because before thinking about all this being real, a big value of mine is I always thought the idea of death is part of what gives life value. Like the fact that we have a timestamp that's getting super deep and philosophical now, but like, Okay. I've always felt that way. I've always thought that it's like, oh, the, the fact that we only have so much time, live each day as if it's your last, like really value this time we have to grow and, and learn and be as active in life as we can be. But this concept that you could have a version of yourself um, kind of live on forever, that is really interesting. And, and part of me like wonders how much control we'll have over that. Like there's this one thing called, uh, I think it's called the infinite conversation, Um, I forget the two characters, but there's like a, a German philosopher and, and somebody else. I, I forget. They're two like famous philosophers and someone took their work and created an AI of each of them. And it just talks back and forth 24 seven, uh, all day, every single day. And it's never not talking. They didn't really have a say in that, right? Like they didn't have a say about their IP living forever, like, like their memory living on. Mm -hmm. We have biographies we write about historical figures and stuff. And so I think we've always done some form of trying to keep these characters alive. Like we still talk about Socrates. We still act them out in comedy sketches. We still throw them in historical movies. Now we'll just get a more accurate version of him by using a language model and using AI. So that I'm kind of riffing on the spot here, but the more I think about it, it just feels like we're optimizing something we already do on keeping track of history in a, in a more effective way than uh, just scribbling things in a notebook. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, that's so interesting. And as you mentioned, it's philosophical. I think that at this point, I want to take back that question to all the listeners and reflect on this to see, you know, what type of interesting things you can come up with, like coming from yourself about using these systems. I think that I'm, I'm very, a little futuristic and I think a lot about these things in terms of humanity and how this is gonna at some point, you know, shape the whole world as we see right now and what is real, what is not real and how this extension of humanity with artificial intelligence is gonna be mixed together. That's kind of like in a super interesting landscape to explore. So what's, what do you believe is the potential impact on the metaverse on traditional industry sectors? Uh, which sectors stand to gain or lose the most, in your opinion? So I think that anything that has a physical kind of visual product will benefit the most the fastest. Um, just by the nature of the metaverse being this 3D virtual environment, 
Um, I think that when it comes to like the big IT companies, as an example, like, like companies like Salesforce and Oracle, they still have a lot to gain. Like they still have a lot of like putting people in unique environments and connection. But when you think of something like a car brand or like an industrial company, like a tractor, there are these very big physical visual things that if you create a digital twin of that product or a 3d copy of it, it, it stands out. You can, you can do a lot with it. You can get it in front of a customer and get them excited to, to manipulate it and change its colors and make it their own. You can train somebody on it where it's really easy for someone to walk around a virtual room and get way more hands-on experience with that virtual engine in a safe, more cost-effective way than going into the real engine in a real mechanic environment and, and practicing with those parts in, in, in a real place. So I think that when it comes to those physical products, that's where I'd see the biggest benefit. But at Engage, what we're finding is is something that surprised me. Soft skills are actually really, really commonly trained in VR. Um, so like putting someone that would normally be role-playing in like a, a round table environment or in like a classroom or an office, if you can put them in the actual space that they would need to do that activity, it completely changes the training exercise. So like a, a school in Canada got a half a million dollar grant to help immigrants come into Canada and, and learn social norms. And so it would be things like uh, going to a grocery store or going to a bank. Um, and this might hit home for you, actually, having come from a completely different country to Canada. Funny enough, um, I kind of realized that halfway through. Um, but they they basically are experimenting with like helping these immigrants understand social norms for the country by putting them in those environments, in those scenarios and making it feel more real. So those are kind of the two ways that I'm seeing it kind of take off. The one way is with physical visual things and how do we just put those in front of people in a new way. And then the second is the soft skills and how do we make those soft skills feel like more authentic scenarios. Yeah, those are great examples. Thank you so much for enlightening us into, you know, what's your view between, you know, the traditional industries and what could be the potential benefits of that. So at this point, I like to highlight uh, these great examples as well that you showed, uh, particularly with Engage. I want to emphasize this again because we could see just, just as like the surface, I guess, um, of what is coming with not only at this point Engage, I guess other platforms would be working on this but particularly from Engage, taking the lead and creating these experiences. And we can see like if you're a designer, developer, or just kind of like branching or, or getting to know about the industry, we could see where kind of like where this is going and the type of experiences that we need to be creating because the more this becomes sophisticated, the more uh, aspiring developers or designers or professionals into this industry as well, or trying to apply these type of, te of technologies, need to also be at the top of what is uh, going on and how these different type of technologies are merging now into one and the experiences that are intending to offer to the uh, to the end customers. So that's exciting, not only from the point of view of the company in this particular example, Engage, but also from the point of view of the customer. This is super exciting to get to use, you know, and see all of these things and how they are coming together. 
So, um, do you, is there any question that you feel that I should have asked you, but I, that I didn't? It's all good if you feel that you'd like to emphasize something specifically, Rick. Um, I don't know. No, I, I feel like it's been a very fun conversation. We've touched on a lot of kind of different things from AI to, to the metaverse and uh, virtual world building. Um, I just, I share in your excitement for it. Um, I know this, this, this is the second conversation we've been able to have together about this stuff. And I, I think that this, this industry more than any industry I've worked in, there's like this sense of togetherness that I really appreciate where everybody kind of has a mindset. Like, uh, what, what, what's that saying? Um, rising tides, uh, rising tides raise all ships. What's, the, I'm, I'm totally butchering it. Um, but it's like the, the idea that like we all want the pie to get bigger, right? Um, like we all want, we, we, if someone else wins a $3 million contract, we're not seeing that as, oh, woe is me. We're seeing that as, oh, that's someone else spending $3 million on this type of technology. That's someone else educating another, uh, brand to learn about it and enter the space. And I've never felt that before. Like I, I've felt, bits of it working in tech and working in creative and, and like there's, there's always a little bit of it, but with the metaverse, I feel like every other week I'm meeting three more people that all know half the people I've already met and they all have that same level of excitement um, and kind of joy for, for what we get to build together. And I don't know, there's something special about, about that. Yeah. Thank you so much for uh, those final words. It's definitely a great opportunity for us to continue to grow together and to learn together. And that actually transitions into my invitation to follow Rick's uh, accounts. I believe you are, you have a presence on, uh, as, as the podcast, right? About the metaverse and also in all your social media accounts. Please let us know where people can reach out to you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So LinkedIn is the, my, my core place. Um, that's where I, I, I post most of my content. Um, so LinkedIn's great. That's just Ricky Hauk. Um, I wish I had a better way to say the last name, H-O-U-C-K though. That's how you spell that. Um, and then on YouTube or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, most platforms, you can find MetaRick, uh, where we talk about the metaverse AI, the blockchain and all sorts of emerging technologies. Um, and then if you want to check out Engage, Engage, uh, dot, EngageVR.io, um, is also a great resource if you want to learn more about the VR platform. Mm, that sounds super exciting. And please let us know about all the news and things that Engage is coming up with and also about your podcast so we can be exchanging together and learning together. Thank you so much, Rink, for being here today. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks so much. And uh, if you like this episode, please consider subscribing and also sharing it. Thanks and uh, see you next time. Bye for now.